Hello, everyone. Welcome to the CYDC podcast. And before we get this episode started, I just wanted to make a note that there are points in the episode where you can hear some wind in the background or what sounds like wind. And instead, it's because my mic was too close to my face. And so it picked up on some of my breathing. Um, So I apologize in advance. Hope you can bear with us throughout this episode. And maybe instead of picturing me breathing, you can picture yourself on a nice hike with a nice breeze going on in the background while you're listening, because that's a way better visual than just the fact that I was breathing into my mic too hard. So again, thank you for bearing with us and thank you for listening to this episode. And let's cue the intro music. Welcome to the CYDC podcast. I am one of your hosts, Rishi, joined by... My name is Mike. And on today's episode, we will be exploring anger. Mike, would you like to dive in? Yes, of course. Thanks, Arushi. Um, so everyone knows the feeling of anger, and this can range from rage to frustration to irritability. Um, and the f- feeling of anger has even been compared to the color red. And depending on how angry you are, your face might actually turn red. And so anger is one of the basic human emotions, um, as elemental as happiness, sadness, anxiety, or disgust. And these emotions are tied to basic survival and were honed in over the course of human's history. Anger is related to the fight, flight, or freeze response of the sympathetic nervous system, and it really prepares humans to fight. But fighting doesn't really necessarily mean throwing punches um, or throwing something in your house, maybe. Uh, It it might motivate communities to combat justice by changing laws or enforcing new norms. In some cases, people have trouble managing anger and other negative emotions. However, unleashing anger doesn't produce the sense of catharsis people crave. It tends to feed on itself instead. So the best path forward may be to understand anger, its roots, its triggers, its consequences, and cultivate the ability to manage it. So Rushi, have you ever really felt anger before? I feel like for as long as I've known you so far that um, there's no way you could ever get angry, but I could be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's definitely happened before. It doesn't happen often. I. I think I either don't really let myself get to that point or just doesn't happen, I, I guess. But there definitely have been times, um, but, but not too frequently, thankfully. And I think not really in the, the school sense often, which is which is good. Um, but yeah, what about you? I feel like I haven't really seen you get too, too angry either. I feel like we've both seen each other like stressed, but that's like school context that makes sense. Yeah, for me, I I rarely ever get angry. Mm-hmm. And when I do, I don't really get the outward um, symptom of anger. I, it, I don't you don't really see it visibly. Usually I, I like shut down a little bit more and just kind of like give myself time to deal with the anger on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's why I 
most people probably never see me angry be, even though i i might i might be you know so uh mm-hmm. yeah but yeah. It, it doesn't happen often i would say that for me it yeah. does it really does not happen often so yeah no i definitely definitely relate to that and sometimes even though obviously it's not good to hold in your emotions i feel like with anger when it's internal at least no way like no one's on the receiving end of it which i think is always good because it's really easy to say not nice things or things you don't mean when you're angry and kind of a good way to avoid it for sure and knowing all of that and kind of having the the general picture of what anger looks like we were hoping to like kind of dive into some of the different types of anger so these aren't the only forms of anger that exist but these categories just kind of allow us to better understand and categorize the common types so first off is justifiable anger So this is when you have a moral outrage at the injustices of the world. So whether it's the environmental destruction that's kind of happening worldwide, oppression of human rights, animal cruelty, violence in the community, anything that sparks the moral outrage within you. Justifiable anger may have benefits in the short term as its intensity can be channeled into passion and action for change. However, over time, any type of anger is inherently unhealthy as it robs us of our peace of mind and causes suffering within. Feeling angry on a regular basis for any reason really only hurts oneself in the long run. And while a passion of change is great and very, very important, it's also important to take care of yourself and manage the anger that you feel in the process. Next up is annoyance anger. And I think for most people, this is the common type of anger that they can relate to. So annoyance anger can arise from many frustrations of daily life. So if someone cuts you off while you're driving, which I've been there, not the one cutting someone off, but being cut off. Um, your friend says something insensitive. If you have kids, if they're not listening, if your boss is giving you a tough time, whatever really sparks that annoyance anger within you. And when we focus on the neg- negative and personalize and internalize other people's words and actions, it's easy to experience annoyance anger on a regular basis. And worse yet, by becoming upset and getting triggered, we unknowingly allow other people's problems to become our own. Next up is aggressive anger, which is often used in situations when one individual attempts to exercise dominance, intimidation, manipulation, or control someone else. So this is expressed repeatedly in relationships. Aggressive anger can look like bullying, oppression, psychological violence, and emotional abuse. While this type of anger may seem powerful on the outside, it often betrays an individual's insecurity on the inside. And when we look mindfully and carefully at someone's repeated aggressive anger, we may recognize a deep sense of fear and inadequacy within. For someone who tries to mask their weaknesses and flaws by attempting to control others. And this isn't an excuse or justification, but is just often the reason behind this type of anger, even if it's still not okay to the person on the receiving end. And with that in mind, chronic aggressive anger inevitably results in destructive outcomes, including painful conflicts, ruined relationships, and just generally a damaged reputation. And I think even low feelings of self-worth after the aggressive anger outburst has been completed. And lastly, at least for our list, but not lastly in total, because there are many different types of anger, temper tantrums as well, um, which can sometimes be intertwined with aggressive anger. So this can be categorized as a disproportional outbursts of anger when an individual's wants and needs are not fulfilled, even if the needs are 
unreasonable or inappropriate to the average person. So these temper tantrums are generally directed towards others rather than other forms of anger that are more <coughs> internalized, kind of like Mike and I were just chatting about. So as you may have thought, this type of anger generally originates in childhood due to multiple factors and is often a part of a young person's developmental and maturation process. So the terrible twos, I don't know if you've heard of that term, Mike, but um, it's, I think it's an example a lot of people turn to when it comes to temper tantrums. But unfortunately, some individuals never outgrow their tantrums and continue to unleash them in adult settings when they don't get their way. And similarly to aggressive anger, people with chronic temper tantrums often have difficulty forming healthy and successful relationships and keeping them going as well. So I feel like you're going to say no, Mike, but do any of these types of anger kind of resonate with you? Because personally, I think justifiable does for me, but not on an ongoing basis, but like here and there. But what about you? Yeah, I would say probably justifiable anger as well at times um, mm -hmm. would be my type of anger. How about you? Yeah, I, I think I would say the same because I mean, annoyance anger, little things happen here and there, but I think not on a daily basis. And then the last two are definitely, I think, a big no for, for me and I'm, I'm guessing for you as well. Yeah, yeah. I really relate with these next two types of anger that I'm going to quickly chat mm -hmm. about, which the first mm -hmm. one is internal anger which is caused by having unreasonable expectations of people or situations or a low tolerance for frustration. And the other one is external anger, which has been really narrowed down to four types of events. So the one is personal attacks uh, via verbal abuse, um, being attacked um, or attacking ideas and or opinions and diminishing them. Um, threatening someone's basic needs like work, life, family, and anything else that someone may find a basic need, or environmental factors that decreases a person's tolerance for frustration. And so it's important to know that our level of tolerance can be impacted by many things like stress and anxiety, physical and emotional pain, drugs and alcohol, and even having a bad day can decrease our overall tolerance for frustration. So mm -hmm. these four events can really cause someone to get frustrated and feel angry. Um, and I think for me, like that internal anger sometimes is something that um, I struggle with a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, which is why maybe you don't see it in my case coming out. I don't, I don't necessarily um, act on my anger, but it's something that, you know, some things can just irk you a little bit and, uh, Maybe it's someone cutting you off in the road. Maybe you're having an unreasonable ex expectation that that won't happen, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm sure it's bound to happen when we're driving. So yeah. yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I definitely relate to the internal anger thing. And it kind of makes me think of like, I think it's Murphy's Law where it's like, if something can go wrong, it will. And I feel like the few times where I am angry, it's like one thing goes wrong, another thing goes wrong. And I'm just like, my cup is so full. I just, I can't. And again, I'm grateful it doesn't happen too often. But when it does, it's like, oh, just it's the worst. It really feels like whatever can go wrong will. And when we think about anger, I mean, I feel like we all kind of have a general picture of what anger might look like for ourselves and even for others, but just kind of thinking about the common signs of anger, they often show up in the form of dramatic increase in breathing, which we may not always see outwardly in others, but 
experience ourselves. Tense muscles, again, something you might not see in the average when you look at someone, but you feel it within yourself. Sweating and a cold or hot feeling, either kind of going between the two of them or only feeling one of them. And I think mostly it's kind of a, a very hot feeling that a lot of people feel. Shaky hands, uh, a pale or red face. Um, I personally imagine the color red when I think of anger, when I think of like a little angry character and goosebumps as well. So again, anger can show up in so many different ways for people, but when we're thinking about some of the common signs, this is what a lot of people experience both internally and outwardly. So as an aside, um, another way anger can present itself is in the form of tears or crying or getting so angry to the point where words can't express it and the tears just can't just come out and you can't help it. And I know while tears are often associated with feelings of sadness, um, they often come up when we're feeling also stressed or frustrated and even angry because a lot of the time um, our anger can be rooted in stress or frustration. And I know for me, the few times I got really angry, that is one of the ways it presents itself, which is so annoying in the moment, but um, it's, it's a very normal experience that I think a lot of people can relate to when it comes up um, as a sign of anger. So I just wanted to throw that in there as a little side note. For sure, for sure. And when we're looking at anger and the brain, so we'll move on to the brain, which is mm -hmm. something that I'm always excited to talk about. Um, but as mentioned in previous topics like fear and anxiety, the brain's response to anger is sort of similar and even involves some of the same components like our lovely friend, the amygdala and the hippocampus. And so our brains are really like alarm systems that signals our body when we're happy, when we're sad, when we're scared, when we're anxious, or even when we're angry. Hint this topic. Um, with anger, the alarm system causes a release of stress hormones, adrenaline and noradrenaline, which helps control the body's heart rate, blood pressure, and regulates the pancreas, which controls our blood sugar balance. So research done at Hotchkiss Brain Institute in Calgary have found that anger compromises the hypothalamus, which is crucial for our stress response, and it dampens the ability for our brains to slow down. Anger also causes another neurotransmitter called catecholamines, 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 Sounds right to me. Maybe we'll have to get Google, our friend Google, to help us out here. <laughs> Catecholamine. To flow through our body, which gives us a burst of energy for a few minutes and also increases our heart rate, our blood pressure, and our breathing rate. So that is how our brain reacts in response to anger. And if we were to kind of move forward a little bit and focusing on, or I guess move backwards and focus on where it starts, that would be within the reptilian part of our, our brain um, with our old friend, the amygdala. And as mentioned in previous episodes, we actually have two almond-shaped amygdalas above the hypothalamus gland. And studies done at the University of California in San Diego on teenagers, um, it showed that high levels of anger and aggression when threatened found that um, hostile aggressive behavior is caused by a hyperactive amygdala and less activity in the prefrontal cortex. And so the amygdala is really great at anticipating a threat um, before the prefrontal cortex kicks in. 
Um, and the prefrontal cortex, as we learned previously as well, is kind of responsible for assessing the threat. So um, the amygdala might be anticipating a threat and the prefrontal cortex might not be, be doing a good enough job at actually assessing what the danger is. Um, and so that amygdala is a little bit hyperactive. And also looking at neurotransmitters, again, lower levels of serotonin is present in those with aggressive behaviors. So um, hopefully what is kind of captured by this talk about the brain is that there's a lot of different factors that contribute to anger, both before the anger occurs or before the stressor kind of causes that anger and afterwards as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of the things I was asking you, Mike, like if there's a difference in, I guess, the the brains of people who have higher levels of anger and aggression. And of course, our good friend, the amygdala, definitely plays a role there. But I didn't know that um, lower levels of serotonin were present in those with aggressive behaviors. That one is definitely, I think, a surprise, but I think it also makes sense. But it's definitely um, an interesting piece of information because I feel like the amygdala is often the main player in these types of things when comparing two brains but that's yeah it's definitely something interesting and in general with anger I mean we've spoke about that it's a you know, it's a very common emotion like happiness or sadness there's an evolutionary reason behind it our brain accommodates it and has adapted to it for a very good reason so that's why we also wanted to touch on the fact that anger can sometimes be healthy it's a natural thing that all of us feel but it can also be a cause of concern. And we wanted to give you all a few facts about when it can swing either way and how to tell the difference between the two. So as I said, it can be a good thing because it can give you a way to express negative feelings or motivate you to find solutions to problems like with justifiable anger. And this can be known as healthy anger. So healthy anger means observing and experiencing anger without being overwhelmed by it and reacting to it. So it means recognizing our anger as a signal to explore our feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations that we experience as we experience the feeling of anger as well. It means viewing anger as a signal to direct our attention inward and to identify our core desires, needs, and values. It calls for developing self-compassion, which includes skills to enhance our sense of safety and connection. It includes developing strategies to let go of anger, which may include forgiving others and yourself, and we will be diving into other ways to manage anger later on in the episode as well. But of course, on the other end of the spectrum, excessive anger can absolutely cause problems, not only in your interpersonal relationships, but within yourself as well. So this can present itself in ways like increased blood pressure and other physical changes associated with anger, that make it difficult to think straight and harm your physical and mental health, as well as maybe the physical and mental health of those around you who are on the receiving end of it. So getting angry too easily or anger that is frequently mobilized can undermine relationships and damage your physical health in the long term. A prolonged re release of the stress hormones that accompany anger can destroy neurons in the areas of the brain associated with judgment and short-term memory and weaken the immune system. And while I'm not too sure about this for sure, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that that's why sometimes when people get really angry, they almost black out what happens and don't remember what happened when they got really angry and kind of come out of that, that blackout or black hole moment. And for those who struggle with chronic anger or for those who only experience occasional outbursts, 
learning the skills to identify and navigate this really, really powerful and intense emotion can definitely lead to growth and change. And there absolutely are ways to manage excessive anger and turn it into healthy anger. All right, thanks for that, Arushi. Uh, I definitely think that I agree that anger can be healthy. Um, and we'll kind of turn our attention a little bit towards anger in children. And so multiple factors can contribute to a particular child's struggles with anger, irritability, and aggression, um, and behavior that can cause harms to oneself. And one common trigger is frustration when a child cannot get what he or she wants, or is asked to do something that he or she might not feel like doing. So for children, difficulties with anger often accompanies other mental health concerns, such as anxiety. Uh, and in fact, anxiety often presents itself as anger or behavioral outbursts in children. And so it's not really usual for a child um, younger than four to have uh, as many as nine tantrums per week um, with episodes of crying, kicking, stomping, hitting, and pushing that last five to 10 minutes, according to a psychologist at uh, Yale Medicine Child Study Center. And so kind of moving forward on helping the child deal with anger, um, it's important to kind of help them deal with it in healthier ways um, and pinpointing the underlying cause um, and the root of the problem and kind of addressing those issues. And so the first step could be getting curious about your child's anger and what struggles may lie underneath aggressive and intense behaviors. Um, and kind of that's kind of the first step to be able to work through it, through it in a healthier way. And while it's not always possible to zero in with perfect precision on the underlying cause of each and every anger outburst, there are several common reasons why a child may struggle to manage anger in their daily life. And some of those include developmental growing pains when the child is a toddler, like the terrible twos, um, big life changes, um, tra transitions, and even trauma, and also when a child sees anger modeled by a parent. So that's one thing as well, is if a parent is modeling anger, a child may pick up on that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think with children, I mean, as adults, it's, re it's really like easy to look at their anger and their frustration and almost invalidate it sometimes because maybe we see a perspective that they don't and we kind of see the bigger picture about what they might be angry about. But I think something that's really important to note and for parents, I think, and I guess just like adult family members of that child in general, or even teachers, is that it's important to not invalidate the anger while it's happening because I think that often perpetuates it rather than stops it. Um, so if you think about it in times that we've been angry or upset about something, someone invalidating that doesn't help us feel better even as adults. So that technique, although it might seem like a good go-to in the moment, just to kind of tell them, hey, don't worry about it, let's calm down. It generally does not help, but there are lots of strategies to help people of all ages, um, which as I said, we'll be diving into, but also just the calming strategies in general that we do have an episode about um, could be something that could be utilized as well. So looking at gender differences in anger as well, um, I think it's important to also talk about the differences and how anger is expressed for men and women and some of the societal norms that contribute to this also. So as a whole, women, women are actually just as likely to demonstrate anger as men, but in many cultures, young boys and men are taught that some emotions like crying are not acceptable. So knowing this, instead of 
things like crying, stress, shame, depression, fear, or pain is instead expressed through anger for many men. And in fact, studies have shown that men who show anger are actually experiencing depression or fear. And while this isn't always the case, I think it's something important to consider that anger might be hiding other emotions beneath it, but it's just easier to express anger because of certain societal norms. And on the opposite end, in some cultures, it's not acceptable for women to display anger, which causes them to hide it instead. So in a study done on anger and violence completed by the Department of Justice, there was found that no evidence, there was no evidence found that men are angrier than women. The study did show differences in how men and women express their anger. Researchers found that women tend to be more subtle in their display of anger, which I think would be covert anger, if I'm remembering the definitions correctly. And as a society, we pay more attention to the more aggressive, what one might call kind of the testosterone-driven display of aggression by men, which can be known as more overt anger, more outward. All right. Thanks for that, Arushi. And yeah, I, I think that this conversation is so important to have in terms of recognizing some of the unbiased norms and um, things that we kind of put on kids um, and on people just based on their gender, because it kind of limits how they can express themselves and express their emotions, including anger. And in this case, we see that stress and shame and depression and fear can also come out through anger, depending on kind of the avenues that that person chooses to express themselves. And so I think when we put these norms on people, whether it's men or women on, you know, how they should be expressing themselves, um, it's, I don't know, it's, to me, it's just, it's something that I think we need to change as a society and kind of get over these pre-existing norms and discourses that we, that we have so that, um, you know, so that men can cry at times and not feel ashamed about crying, you know, so. Exactly. I mean, humans cry. It's happened for centuries and centuries. It's a normal thing. I think it's so important to acknowledge that these feelings and behaviors, they exist for a reason and they exist because we need them. If we didn't need them, we wouldn't be experiencing them even in present day. They would have slowly eventually, you know, gone away because they wouldn't be functional for us. So knowing that it's like you, you need to cry, even though it's not a, a pleasant or comfortable feeling, so to speak, it really does help as a form of a form of release. And it's so important to do so when you feel the need to, and there shouldn't be any shame about it. I definitely second that. Exactly. And I think it's that shame thing and that kind of fear of stigma or even being mm -hmm. made fun of for expressing your emotions and um, those sorts of ways is kind mm -hmm. of what is the the big the big issue that in my opinion that needs to kind of be shifted still so yep definitely agree and as we move on to how to manage our anger um, learning how to manage our anger is important because of the impacts that it has on our well-being so people who express uh, experience anger constantly are more likely to have a heart attack or a stroke because our heart rate goes up and our bodies release blood clotting chemicals when we are angry. And in fact, those who experience chronic anger without a family history of heart disease are 19% more likely to develop heart problems. And so ignoring anger is actually counterproductive and it can lead to bitterness, resentment, or even hatred. And these are some important things to consider while managing our anger. So the first one is to take some time to stop and think. Um, so you can think, where did this anger come from? And 
kind of finding that source of anger is an important first step in resolving it. The second step to consider is talk to someone you trust about your feelings. And so talking about your stress can be calming and it helps others understand your feelings too. And even hearing yourself talk about your anger or what's bothering you can help you figure things out rather than keeping it pent up inside. Um, and I like to think about this as like a um, shaking a Coke bottle. And, you know, if it's if you keep shaking it and you don't release the lid, that pressure is going to build up and it's going to build up and build up. So eventually you have to have those healthy ways to kind of release that pressure. Um, and the third way is to do things that help reduce stress, like being active um, and exercising um, and expressing your emotions through different ways like art, drawing, dancing or singing. Um, and even practicing mindfulness and meditation can be really helpful. Um, and then another strategy as well is to find a distraction outside of yourself. So what that means is find a distraction in maybe a movie or a book or in some music, um, maybe even a video game. Sometimes that is a healthy way for me to deal with some of my stress as well. Um, and another avenue as well to manage our anger our anger management program. So I think this might be one of the first things that comes to mind when people think about anger management is usually these anger management programs. Um, and they provide education and therapeutic opportunities to deal with anger in a positive way. So anger management programs help participants identify their anger style, um, their triggers and the scenarios that prompt their anger. And then they examine different strategies for dealing with the anger. And so these programs may also deal with conflict resolution by examining different responses to conflict and conflict resolution styles. So there are many ways to deal with anger. Um, and I think maybe those anger management programs might be more on the chronic anger side of things. Um, but yeah, these are very, um, very useful hints. I think that I related with a lot of them on ways to kind of deal with the, with your anger. and. My favorite one is taking time to stop and think mm -hmm. um, and even stopping to think, you know, um, is was it in my control? Is this worth being angry about? What am I going to feel about this tomorrow if I sleep on it? You know, I'm, I, if I feel like I'm going to probably feel better the next day, then probably isn't something that I should worry about too much or be too angry about. So, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. I, I think I definitely relate to that strategy as well as just kind of removing myself from the situation and taking a few minutes to either just like really feel the anger and kind of let it pass or try to use any strategies while removing myself. I think that would be the preferred preferred one for me, but these are all really, really good and helpful strategies. And I think really speak to the fact that there are many different ways to cope for anger, cope with anger, depending on what your anger looks like. Is it chronic? Is it not? And just just as a whole, finding something that works for you and utilizing it when the time comes. Definitely. Oh. And yeah, so I think that kind of wraps up. Do you have anything? Cool. Do you have anything else to add about anger? Um, no, I think that's it. I think we we covered what I was hoping to chat about today. Uh, what about you? Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Um, I really think that my favorite part so far has been that discussion about um gender and sex differences and kind of expressions of anger and mm -hmm. hopefully that conversation is important um for some people mm -hmm. as well but uh yeah i have nothing nothing else to add 
Awesome. So would you like to dive into our fun fact for the week? Of course, of course. So our fun fact for this week is in an article published by Science News, a woman had her amygdala surgically removed in order to help her um, control her epileptic seizures. So upon recovery, her doctors found the surgery was a success in treating her seizures. However, they also discovered that by removing the amygdala, it eliminated her ability to perceive signs of anger and fear in others' voices. So several studies done after this woman's surgery indicated that she had difficulty in understanding vocal annotations when emotions such as fear and anger were expressed. She was, however, able to recognize and understand expressions of sadness, happiness, disgust, and surprise. So I think this is kind of a really interesting fact that uh, links back to that fact about the amygdala when we were talking mm-hmm. about the brain and yeah. the importance of the amygdala because um and when i read this fact i was kind of blown away a little bit that um yeah. they were able to notice that uh, this woman had difficulty perceiving anger after the amygdala was removed so yeah definitely and it, it kind of makes me wonder how she perceived it like did she perceive it as one of the other emotions that you mentioned did she perceive it as kind of like a a neutral state, which I imagine for the angry person might be a little bit annoying. <laughs> um, but I, I really wonder, yeah, I mean, did she, did she experience fear and anger in her herself as an emotion, I wonder, or did it only mess with her perception of others' experience of it? Yeah, so it didn't say whether it affected her own experiences of anger, but just that she okay. had, um, it had changed her perception of anger in others. That is so interesting. That's yeah. Yeah, that's a super interesting fact. I'd, I think I'd kind of like to know how things progressed with her and kind of where she's at now. But yeah, thanks for that, Mike. No problem. So diving into our bonus fun fact for this episode, we also wanted to touch on the cyberball paradigm that explores how social exclusion or social inclusion can affect the way one expresses anger, whether it's overt or covert. So there are many studies done on this paradigm on, on my end. Um, the one that I'm thinking of is one where they explored this paradigm with a virtual cyber ball and essentially told certain people that nobody tossed the ball to them and told other groups that they got the ball tossed to them many times. And it was ultimately found that those who never got the ball tossed to them experienced more um, covert signs of anger where they because they were socially excluded, they excluded others by not tossing the ball to them either. Whereas those who received the ball were more likely to share and pass the ball as well. And even when measuring feelings of anger and just emotional reactivity in the study as well, it was found that those who did not receive the ball and who were socially excluded were more likely to experience feelings of anger and negative feelings in general in comparison to those who received the ball as well. And there are also many different studies on this that explore gender's role in social exclusion because it is hypothesized that women have a tendency to display more covert anger, whereas men may express it more overtly. While this isn't always the case, it's just very common. Um, I think the cyberball paradigm is a really neat way to explore this. Um, Mike and I were kind of chatting about what we would do if nobody tossed us the ball and I think on my end, I, I'd like to think I would still toss it to people, but I don't know, because what if the experimenter got me a little bit riled up in the way they, they told me about it? I don't know, but 
what about you, Mike? What would you do, I think, if you were in this case? Yeah, I am the treat others the way you would like to be treated type of person. So I would probably pass the ball afterwards for sure. Nice. Yeah. Good person. <laughs> but yeah, so that is our, our bonus fun fact. Well, alrighty, everyone. So just wrapping up now, thank you all for tuning in this week. Um, if you have any questions or comments about the podcast and would like to reach out to us, you can always email us at cydcpodcast at gmail.com. As usual, we've added our resources from this podcast in a link in the description. Um, thank you to Dr. Colin King for giving us the opportunity to record this podcast. Our intro music was provided by Gaming Free Music on YouTube, and the outro music was written by Waterboy on SoundCloud. Both links are in the description below as well. We look forward to seeing everyone next week. We'll be talking about addiction. So thank you all for listening and see you next time. Bye, everyone.